Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildebrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com. That is our email address, as always. Feel free to find us on Facebook, on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter, I'm joined by my comrade, Dan Rubenstein, who has flown cross-country right back where it started from in beautiful Southern California. Sir, how are you? I'm good. When you said over there, I was curious to see if you'd acknowledge the fact that we're two, three time zones away from each other. I am currently in the bedroom that I grew up in. Yep. Um, Ditto. I still... I still have, of course, I'm, I'm surrounded by the throw pillows, the same setup that I have in New York when I, when I broadcast from the, the Vox media office, excuse and me, when you soundproof, yes, the Vox media, office. highly advanced. Um, but I feel good. I'm well rested. Flew here last night, got in about, I don't know, around 10 o'clock. My favorite taco place is now in LAX. And life is pretty great. I got a great night's sleep again. Good. And good. I'm ready to go through yesterday's games, which was, I guess, day one, the 20th of bowl games. We've got a couple games coming up. We've got a bunch of Q&A stuff and I guess some news. And there's a, a pretty sad injury on the Oregon front yes. to discuss. But um, I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, we used to do this all the time on on uh, different time zones like this. You remember? This is true. How, how is the future? The, fu- <laughs> the future is fantastic. Everything's still cool. Everything's still cool. Yes. Over here, three hours in front of you. When did we used to record? I was trying to remember this. Did we used to um, go at seven Eastern when you were on the East Coast? Um, when I was on the West Coast, you mean? We were in the West Coast, excuse me. Yeah, it was something like that because I worked from home. So my hours were pretty flexible um, when I was at SI and then later when I was freelancing. So um, yeah, it was... Right around then, I feel like, because it was definitely after you were you were done with work, and yeah. on Sundays, it was probably later for you. I guess we did some 5 p.m. Eastern time shows this year, but it was probably around 5 or 6, I would say. Yeah, wow. I always remember, like, looking at the tail end of NFL scores on the West Coast when we were doing it. That sounds about right. 60 yeah. Minutes was coming on here, I remember. Yes. All oh, right. The future. Yes, well, this is a throwback show for us. It's good to have... All y'all with us. We've got our bowl pool underway. Maybe we'll run through some of the names in that bowl pool. Also, the Verbies voting is now closed. We will mm-hmm. post more information about that uh, in the next couple weeks. Let's get right into it here, Dan. Let's talk to me about the Oregon injury. What's it mean? Uh, Ifo Ekpreolomu, Oregon's All-American corner. Torres ACL in a non-contact situation in practice earlier this week. It's um, I was actually shooting when it happened, when the news broke, I was shooting a preview video for Oregon. That'll be, I guess, released on SB nation tomorrow. Um, Including the fact that it was like, it was basically, Hey, if Oregon just basically why Oregon can beat each of the three playoff teams. And it was like, Hey, they might not be in a bad position if, you know, they have to get Amari Cooper in Alabama because they have an all American corner of their own. It was like, uh, then like Brian Floyd and Ryan Nanny burst into the studio and said, uh, Ooh, uh, mm, big, uh, big story here. You might want to change it up. What it basically means for Oregon going into the Rose bowl, going against Rashad green, who was, I think easily one of the three to five best receivers in the country. Um, 
it hurts. Oregon has recruited defensive back really well. Chris Cisse is a, is a young player. He's, he's sort of a larger corner, which is nice. I don't think it would have hurt as much as perhaps another offensive or even defensive line injury with how good Florida state is on both sides of the ball um, in the trenches. I don't really think there was ever a chance of Oregon winning this game like 35 to 14 because they completely shut down uh, Florida state's offense. It seems to me like if Oregon is to win this game, it'll be a a relatively high scoring affair. So I feel like Oregon's backup corners can accomplish 75 to 80% at least of what Alomu can do. Akpre Alomu. Um, it hurts. You, it, it basically, you just don't want a brain fart play. And that right. could be the difference between a more experienced all American caliber player and uh, a B plus a minus rotation type player. That is uh, good news for Jameis Winston. Also yeah. breaking yes. more good news for Jameis Winston. Oh, thank God. He did not violate code, according to Florida code State. Of conduct, yeah. According to his attorney, David Cornwell. Yes. He confirmed, I'm reading from ESPN.com, confirmed to Joe Shad that the Florida State Seminoles quarterback, Jameis Winston, was ruled to have not violated university conduct code. As you know, there was a woman who accused Winston of sexual assault in an off-campus apartment back in December 2012. By all accounts now, I would assume Jameis Winston is cleared. This is beyond him at this point. He will be at 100% headed into that Rose Bowl against your Oregon Ducks. This is all true. And if this is indeed the end of the saga and the accusation uh, regarding Jameis Winston and the sexual assault case, um, I guess we will cross fingers, toes, and hope against hope that nobody got sexually assaulted and that all justice was, was given to everybody. Right. And, um, that Florida state and the Tallahassee police department have learned valuable lessons about how to properly go about these types of investigations and fix the shortcomings that they were involved in. And that Jameis Winston can, you know, further grow and learn to carry himself as more of a grown up in the public eye than perhaps he was able to do these past couple of years. How much do you think all of these circumstances weighed on him this year? By the way, I don't want to talk all show about Jameis. Winston. Sure. And we will not. We, Trust we're going to talk. We not. We're going to talk plenty about Jameis Winston. We have important eggnog takes to, to possess. <laughs> we're going to talk plenty about Jameis Winston as we yeah. break down the Rose Bowl and, and all the context there. But if you look at his numbers, Mm-hmm. statistically speaking granted he lost some pieces on yeah. offense but huge completion percentage a little bit down through more interceptions didn't throw yep. nearly as many touchdowns how much do you think this all weighed on him i would say a good percentage but not yeah. an overwhelming percentage i think it's impossible when you're 19 20 21 years old when you're in that kind of spotlight and that kind of um sort of animus is directed at you for you not to be affected in the things that's, that you do yeah see that um, that's where i stand on this and there are a lot of hot takes about Jameis Winston out there. Right. And there are a lot of people who I think would be very inclined to define him as this villain or this monster. And you can call it whatever you want, but I have never believed that he could sit there and take all this in and not be at all affected. That to me does not seem reasonable. Again, he's still a young guy. This is a hard thing for anyone to go through, let alone a starting quarterback who's already won a Heisman Trophy. You've got a town almost relying on you to lead the football team to victory. That's a lot of pressure, and I I refuse to believe 
that it didn't weigh on him to some degree. I am interested now as he moves forward into this Rose Bowl, if the weight off his proverbial shoulders is is going to lead to a really big game against Oregon. I would imagine that he will be playing looser and more freer. I don't know how much will be due to the code of conduct hearing. I think it's just the sort of time off without, yeah. you know, constantly being in the spotlight. And the truth about Jameis Winston is he is not nearly as bad as sort of older sports writers and hot take type of people will make you think he is. And he's not nearly as good and persevering and overcoming adversity and heroic as Florida state fans and Jimbo Fisher would have you believe he is. It's somewhere in the middle, like most things in life generally are. So yes, with this time to sort of regroup practice, focus on on field stuff rather than off field stuff. Certainly I feel like he will be playing with um, a freer attitude and a clearer mind. All right. One other bullet point that I have on my sheet. Yeah. I saw an intriguing article from Jason LaConfora mm. from CBS NFL guy, correct? NFL guy. Yeah. Michigan has reportedly offered Jim Harbaugh a six yeah. year, $49 million contract. Dan. Stanford that, man. That, that is a lot of money for those yeah. of you playing along at home. Mm hmm. He also lists in this article. So the article talks about how friends and family and uh, maybe Santa mm -hmm. uh, are all urging Jim Harbaugh to take this job in Ann Arbor. Right. Mm -hmm. It could actually happen. We don't know what I found interesting, though, and I got a good chuckle out of this in the article. He lists Sean Payton and Jason Garrett as two other names potentially on the Michigan wish list. Right. Why would either of those guys want this job? They don't. They want raises and or better jobs or whatever it is. There are um, a lot of things in this life that I want, Dan. Sure. A lot of things that I would put on the wish list. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd make those things public. How does stuff like this get out? Um, agents and I don't know, people that want to make money off of this. Um, as for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, an offer like that, it's very difficult for me to imagine. And again, this is I'll go back to what Brian Cook said, like a normal coach. This seems laughable. But Jim Harbaugh's a little bit crazy. He, he Jim Harbaugh's crazy. a little bit off. And what sort of defines how crazy and off he is, is how competitive he is and how hard he works to sort of get every inch, every ounce, every bead of sweat out of his players. And as I'm seeing right now, Jay Glazer is reporting that the 49ers coach are expected to cut ties within 24 to 48 hours. Makes so sense. he will be a free agent. Um, what is what is just difficult for me to wrap my mind around? Jim Harbaugh, clearly very, very smart you don't succeed and turn places around um, accidentally. Like he did at San Diego, like he did at Stanford. And, and so made the 49ers as good as they were immediately in the NFL. Um, he would almost assuredly turn Michigan into a double digit win team within a year. Um, just because there, there is talent on that roster. He would hire a, a really good staff and would get, he would, he would max out the potential uh, of guys on the Wolverines roster. I just don't understand when somebody succeeds on the level that they have, and is able to, and that's Jim Harbaugh in the NFL, the, the sort of a, appeal of a place like Michigan right now. And it's not that he can definitely recruit. He definitely knows how to work that system, but yeah, at, at a certain point is what, what does beating a directional Michigan school and Iowa and Illinois and Northwest, like what does that do for the competitive fire that very clearly burns within Jim Harbaugh? Uh, that to me is like, a person that is that driven to take a step back because something appears to be easier, albeit nostalgic, but easier and 
you will, he has power in the NFL. He will have a ton of offers, whether it's from the dolphins or bears or Raiders or whoever, I don't know nearly enough about NFL coaching positions to know, but it's just, it's still even for that amount of money. And granted, I think it's hard for anybody to turn down huge amounts of money, no matter the, the level, it just still doesn't fully add up given how Harbaugh appears publicly to be built. Well, it's different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. And part of me wonders if it's not a power thing. But is he, how old is Harbaugh? In his 40s or 50s? He's not that old. Uh, he's 50 on the dot. He okay. was born in 63. He's about to turn 51. It feels like if you're going to go somewhere for, if you're going to take a, a step down for nostalgia purposes and obviously competitive purposes as well, that feels kind of young to do it. Yeah, like well, this feels like back half of your fifties, early sixties, like let's ride out and, you know, go with this, you know, the maize and blue and, and do, you know, the Michigan man on his, like, it just feels like there's a, a the, the chip of winning a super bowl out there and congrats. You made a Rose bowl. You, you beat whatever. Yeah, beat I just, Michigan State. I don't know. He, he, he's just crazy enough to make this move. That's true. That's the wild card. Right. And it, it, it truly is different strokes for different folks. Does he want to be in that locker room trying to preach to guys who are making more than him when he can go to Ann Arbor and scream right. at 80 terrified kids? That's true. I don't know. And maybe maybe his way of coaching works better there. Just the, that sort of control and getting the most out of players works better with teenagers and seniors and whatever, rather than fully grown men. I do know this, though, and then we'll yeah. move on. You got to admire Michigan's stick to with this deal. They are all in on Jim Harbaugh. It is yeah. Harbaugh or bust. And they don't even have a plan B at this point. They are going all in for Jim Harbaugh. If they get him, it would obviously be a coup. He's a great football coach. He would turn that right. program around overnight. If you don't get him, at least you shot for the moon. Right. So who knows who they end up with? I definitely feel better about them getting Harbaugh now than I did three weeks ago. It seems like sure. they're really, really gung-ho on getting him to the point where they're willing to bankrupt the university. You know, Dr. Jane also has some really good tips and stuff that I think would work well as the Michigan head coach. Yeah. She is herself a Michigan man. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> good backup. All right. Um, you want to talk about some of the games the bowl started? Let's do that. Yeah, it was actually a pretty fun, interesting, telling day one of bowl season. Was it? Uh, yeah, I think there were things that we can glean that, you know, we don't need to overreact to, but things that we can appreciate and sort of port forward to 2015. The first three bowl games yesterday were just murder to try and watch. Yeah. Louisiana Lafayette wins 16 to three in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Terrence Broadway. 19th year senior. Yeah, 19th year senior. Yeah. One of the great names in college football. Yeah, I remember when he was at Houston. Yeah. Set an NCAA Division I bowl record by completing his first 14 passes. 14, yeah. The Lafayette defense also played superbly well, holding Nevada down just 213 yards for the Wolfpack as they win essentially a home game 16 to 3, Dan. Yeah, Mark Hudspeth, Louisiana Lafayette head coach, still yep. stronger than you, yep. than, than me, and then than everybody listening to this show. Okay, the Gilded New Mexico Bowl, Utah yes. State wins 21-6 to over UTEP. Another terrible football game to watch. It was interesting, though, from the standpoint of Utah State, because they lost another quarterback to injury at the end of the first half. Holy hell, yeah. 
This means they played their fifth stringer, who was a wide receiver in the second half. Mm -hmm. Still, despite all that, despite all the quarterback injuries that they've had this year, they win this game. They win the New Mexico Bowl. And Matt Wells, I'll put my hands together for Matt Wells. 10 and 4, despite the injuries at the most prolific and prominent position on the football field, despite losing Chucky Keaton very early on, a 10-win season for the Aggies is a really, really good year for Matt Wells. Yeah, absolutely. And his second year as head coach. Now also I'll a deeper cut Todd Orlando, I think in his second year as defensive coordinator for Utah state, yeah, they've quietly right. built a very disciplined defense that tackles really well, always appears to be in the correct position and a defense with all the injuries at quarterback has had to lead this Aggie team. Um, this is an all mountain West program at this point coming back from how, how down they were with Gary Anderson who, who turned them around and it's kept going with Matt Wells. I can't imagine Wells and or Todd Orlando are terribly long for Utah state, but that it, it's a testament to how well they've kept this program running and, and good for Utah state to be able to, to on to the next guy with all the injuries at quarterback. I know before the season started, we were all very excited to watch Chucky Keaton uh, and UTEP with some talent in that backfield. We talked about Aaron Jones, Jamil, Jamil showers. If you'll remember Jamil Jamel yep. showers, uh, the quarterback who transferred from Texas A&M after Johnny Manziel was named right. the starter. So there is some talent at UTEP. It was primarily a running team. And unfortunately for the minors, Utah state has been fantastic against the run. So um, if nothing else, it's Utah state is a, a mountain West program winning double digits. And the mountain West is very clearly the best of the non power five conferences. And this is what it takes. If Utah state is able to get continuity from their coaching staff to build a reputation to sort of say, all right, major power five conference school booking us is not a walkover. It's going to look good on your resume. If you beat us and we might just beat you and Utah state really is you know, they're not Boise state light or anything like that yet, but they've built themselves into, I don't want to be condescending, but I was going to say a nice little program. That's, that's solid right there. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for Matt Wells. That was a nice yeah. win. Let's stay with uh, the great state of Utah. Mm-hmm. The Utes. Yes. What is a Ute, Dan? I believe it's a native tribe and I could be terribly wrong. I was doing the, the joke for my cousin Vinny, but if it's a native right. American tribe, excuse yeah, me. I believe it is, but How I could be I? wrong. Okay. Yes. Um, something that I, that I thought was very interesting. I only watched a little bit of this game cause I was traveling yesterday. Um, back to the beautiful West coast was just how far Utah's come in terms of talent since stepping up from the mountain West Yes, how about to, that? to the pac 12. And this was, and granted a Colorado state team without Jim McElwain and sort of in a, in a haze after losing their head coach, but still Garrett Grayson showed himself to be a very good, not just conference quarterback, but a national quarterback with how efficient he was over the course of the season. D Hart, obviously top, top level talent, having transferred from Alabama with Jim McElwain eventually. Um, but it was clear that Utah's depth, Utah's skill, weird, <laughs> goofy trick play in the first half. What did, what um, do we classify that as? Was it a reverse throwback flea flicker? I think that sounds right. Yeah. It, Those are all it, words that I enjoy together. Cause there was a reverse, there was a throwback and it was sort of all a big flea flicker. Yes. The thing that I would glean from, I love that word glean from yeah. Utah's win. This was, this was the Las Vegas ball, right? The Royal purple Las Vegas. Always Vegas kind bowl. of fun and weird. Um, the thing that I would take from this is Utah has like, I mean, aside from Nate Orchard, who may have been their MVP this year, aside from Nate Orchard, they have like everybody back next yep. year. And 
that's scary as hell. They, I mean, I think going into the season, everybody sort of pointed to 2015 as when they would probably be peaking and they surprised a lot of people this year. Didn't finish great down the stretch, but beating USC, beating UCLA, hanging with Arizona state, a really, really nice season for the Utes. And it appears because I think Hunter Demick's only a sophomore. It appears they're only getting better. And yep. they are they are very happy to beat the crap out of anybody that comes their way. And I believe UCLA goes to Salt Lake City next year. So a fun thing to take note of. Utah will have now big expectations after winning their ninth win. They won 45 to 10 in the Royal yes. Purple Las Vegas Bowl. The defense looked good. Colorado mm-hmm. State never got going. You mentioned the trick play. Travis Wilson also looked pretty good in this one. Mm-hmm. Scored. Devontae Booker, yeah. Devontae Booker looked good. Booker, is he going to go pro? I suppose he could as a junior. Yep. Mm-hmm. But um, as you mentioned, Utah's got a lot coming back. But you flew over this, didn't you? Did you fly over I this game suppo- on the way home? What time was kickoff? It was later in the day. You might have flown right over it. Um, no, it was three 30 Eastern. My flight was at six 30. So I sort of caught the, the tail end of this, um, when I was at the airport. Okay. So I, I was, flew over, I flew over the site. I was hoping that there'd be like a giant purple sphere that would be visible from 36,000 feet, a Royal purple sphere. Right. Um, no, no unfortunately no. Yeah. So Utah expectations be interesting to see how they capitalize on their, their very public success this year as recruiting sort of heats up now with all-star games and signing day in a couple months or about a month and a half now. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Utah can capitalize. It's interesting because when we think of conference realignment, mm-hmm. at least in the bigger conferences, yeah, Missouri's worked out pretty well in the sec. Yep. Texas A&M obviously came in and worked out pretty well in the sec at first. Yeah. Utah took them a little bit to get going, but they mm-hmm. seem to be on the straight and narrow, right? TCU obviously has things working. West Virginia Absolutely. has been up and down. The last one remaining, I think would be Colorado, Colorado. I think there's, there's still some higher expectations for Nebraska going into the big 10 uh, Maryland Rutgers, obviously quite young. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not counting them in there yet, but Nebraska has right. been fine. Nebraska has been totally fine. Obviously there's an expectation of more on a national level from, from Huskers fans and that, that program. But yeah, in terms of expansion, um, Louisville into the ACC, I think really acquitted themselves quite nicely. They're only going to get better. Correct. So yeah, I would tend to agree that this has worked out for almost everyone. I, I mean, the financial windfall has been, I think terrific all around and just to see if teams like Rutgers and Maryland can raise their talent levels to compete and um and what Colorado's able to do as they they need they had to do a lot coming off of John Embry and the talent level that was left for Mike McIntyre. So they need to take a step. All right. Two other games that we're gonna run through very quickly. Yes. Some previews that take us up to Christmas Eve. Let's go to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Dan. Let's Air Force 38, Western Michigan 24, Troy Calhoun. Troy Calhoun. Been a nice story this year. They went. I would two say and, even nicer than nice. Two and ten last year. Ten and three this year. There's a reason yes. why Troy Calhoun's name has come up frequently. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for jobs that are open currently, mm-hmm. but in the last three years, you've heard Troy Calhoun's name mentioned here and there. Yes. He's a good football coach to take Air Force from two and ten to ten and three. Mm-hmm. Granted, the famous Idaho potato bowl, whatever 10 and three, not a bad season at all for Troy Calhoun. No. And he's, he's somebody that has experience both in the NFL and at air force and sure. 
I believe Air Force, they beat Colorado State and Boise State. They yep. lose to Utah State. The the game against Wyoming was sort of their low point. But just generally speaking, Air Force winning 10 games this year, as you mentioned, coming off of last year, beating a, a fun, up-tempo, exciting Western Michigan team with P.J. Fleck, who's sort of the, the crazy madman du jour. Row the boat, baby. Um, yeah, Air Force, especially with how they finished that game against Western Michigan, um, a very, very nice story that I hope that they can continue to to ride in the Mountain West because who wants to play Air Force? Nope. I, not, I can't imagine a ton of nope. people. Uh, they also, I want to say they beat Navy and Army. Did they win the Commander-in-Chief trophy? They did beat Navy, and I have to believe they beat Army because Army was right. terrible. Right. So. so I believe that gives them the trophy. So, yeah. yes, Air Force is the, the service academy gold standard, and I imagine with Calhoun it's only going to build. And then our final game of the day, actually the best game of the day. Yes. The Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. Camellia. This is a game that some of the group of five conferences wanted, meaning ESPN put it together. It was entirely an ESPN created bowl. Yeah. A boring game for the first three and a half quarters between Mm -hmm. Bowling Green and South Alabama. Right. Then with a minute and 20 left, South Alabama, the Jaguars Mm -hmm. go up 28-27 ensuing play from scrimmage bowling green hits a 78 yard touchdown pass they go for two they don't make it your final here bowling green 33 south alabama 28 i had 22 confidence points on the south alabama jaguars (laughs) daniel yeah good 22 (laughs) i mean you've broken down a lot of south alabama tape 22 confidence points yeah um that's what i get for going with phil Steele. (laughs) <laughs> why would you ever do that i should have told you my picks there were five games on the 20th yeah i believe i went one and four versus the spread doubt, or just straight up no just straight up in the confidence pool <laughs> if, there were, if there were any doubt that i am the surest thing in college football picking <laughs> why don't people listen actually i didn't put the, these picks out how there. are I really you should. seriously how are you doing this i don't die i don't know I'm what happens work. next year are you gonna go like 152 and three the universe is a strange place, Ty. Actually, let me verify this. I don't want to like, I, I I sort of made these picks pretty hastily a few days ago. Um, I feel I like really... I went 75%. It wasn't that high, but like right. 65% one year. Right. And the next year I could not pick a game for anything. Really? The universe does balance out. So you could be looking at something historic in 2015. Right. That's what I mean. Or I go even... 90% wrong. Is that it? What, I mean, what can I do? I don't know. We're going to have to start doing this show live in like yeah. the Cayman islands for all of the people <laughs> making so much money and putting it all in a tax shelter. Um, okay. So the name of my, I'm the altar of Dan. Oh, it appears I did well yesterday. Hold on. No, I got, I had Colorado state, Western Michigan. I went three and two. I misspoke. That's on me. I went four and one. The only I one must I got have wrong. switched it up. I, how oh, I thought I had taken Nevada and I, I thought I took, took South Alabama. I was wrong. Okay. No, three actually I went three and two as well. Excuse me. I All had right. uh, the South Alabama so game and the air force game wrong. The other ones I, I had not, right. I'm not the surest thing at the moment, but let's let both season play out. Let's pick some games. Let's do that. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. All right. So in front of me, I've got one, two, three, four, five, five games. Yes. This will take us through Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. We're going to plan to do another show in a couple days, so we'll do our best to cover all of the football games. 
going to go through these very quickly. This one's on December 22nd at 2 p.m., the Miami Beach Bowl between Memphis 9-3 and and BYU 8-4. and Memphis is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. If you haven't followed Memphis at all, mm-hmm. it's a great story. Memphis was 4-31 and in the three years prior to Justin Fuente taking over. Justin Fuente, yep. by the way, a very hot commodity. In I like the how you pronounce that. Fuente. 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 This year they are nine and three. <laughs> this is true. And on the other side, we've got BYU. Just made himself some cash, by the way. He signed an extension. Yes, he did. BYU finished with a four-game win streak. Mm-hmm. Took them a while to get things rolling after Taysom Hill went down. But uh, who you like here? <sighs> I think I like Memphis. Yeah, me too. Just I, I'm still not crazy about. Uh, a Taysom Hill-less BYU. They were they were pretty up and down, as you mentioned. They finished strongly. Mitch Matthews, one of the more underrated receivers in the country for BYU. I have no idea how old he is. Let's assume older than both of us. Um, and, and the Memphis thing, they just week in and week out. They play everybody so tough. Where I I just feel like they are they might be coming into this game in the more motivated sense, like let's finish the season strong. Whereas BYU kind of might want to just get this season over with. Um, I liked the, the the player for Memphis. This is not a surprise. Their quarterback, Paxton Lynch, had a very nice season. I want to say he's young. So that's something if Memphis is going to improve, you can say you saw him when in the, what is this, the Miami Beach Bowl? The Miami Beach Bowl. <laughs> uh, the Miami Beach Bowl. But yeah, there are names to pay attention to. Mitch Matthews, Paxton Lynch, um, both of these, they're eight or nine win teams. Right. It's a, it's an afternoon game, the 22nd. If you have the the holiday time off, that's tomorrow. Um yeah, give it a watch. It's in a weird baseball stadium and it's football. I, I like Paxton Lynch as the better quarterback in this game. I am very mm-hmm. interested in seeing Christian Stewart against the Miami or the uh, Memphis, excuse me. Yes. Pass defense, because I think that's sort of a matchup to watch. But I'm going to go mm-hmm. Memphis as well. It's got a lot of momentum on their side. Let's go to the Boca Raton Bowl. Boca. Boca Raton. Dun, 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 dun. December Where's my soup? 23rd. Yeah. Six Speaking PM. of matzo ball soup. Yes. There's a lot of old people in Boca. Marshall. Yeah. 12 and one. A 10 point favorite against Northern Illinois. The Huskies are 11 to two. Dan, would you care to venture a guess or would you care to offer a hot take? Which was your favorite power five team that Marshall played this season? Oh, um, Northern California. Mm. Um, so many Southern- to pick from. South, uh, New York tech. I, I God, there's too many with this point spread 10 points. Yeah. I am all over Northern Illinois. Yeah. All uh, over. Lock of the week. I actually did not. This is a true story. I did not mean to hit that button. <laughs> it's okay. It's too late now. It's a lock. Sure. Let's roll with it. All over uh, Northern Illinois. It's a good team. They won their last six games. They don't have Jordan Lynch anymore, but they're still really solid. Right. Marshall didn't play anyone. They've got a really soft schedule. Good team. I like Rakeem Cato. Absolutely. But Northern Illinois has been there before. I think Marshall mm-hmm. wins the game, but I think they win by seven points. A lot of points in this game, but potential for a shootout. I'm going to go Huskies plus the points in Marshall outright. Yeah, Northern Illinois, a little bit more balanced this season. Not, you know, running as much. Jordan Lynch gone, as you mentioned. Um, I think 
in a shootout. And Northern Illinois is very good. I'm going to go with Marshall here in a shootout. I'm going to go with Cato. I'm going to go with the best quarterback on the fields. As much as I don't like Marshall's schedule, I think with this this amount of time off, I, I think Cato puts on a show and okay. has, a, has a great game against Northern Illinois. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I'm going to take the I'm going to take the thundering herd. Going with Cato. All right. Absolutely. Another game on December 23rd at 9:30 p.m. Eastern Time. The San Diego County Credit Union yeah. Poinsettia Bowl. There I are a lot of syllables in that bowl name, Dan. Yeah. And again, congratulations to the San Diego County Credit Union because they appear to be the only sponsor that hangs around their bowl game for more than three or four years. Does Mama Rubenstein do poinsettias around the holidays? No, we are. You've been to this, the abode. We're yeah. more of a, a succulent yeah. in, in, in the way of, uh, of flora. We're a much more succulent household than we are with the poinsettias. You guys had more hummingbirds outside your house than like oh, a yeah. bird sanctuary. We've got hummingbirds. We've got a we've got a fountain that they like bathing in. Yeah, we've got the jacuzzi, but we got some bird feed. You know, we like there's wildlife around here. There's succulents, a lot of cacti. Yeah, you know, we're very we don't waste water here. There's the never rains in California, so don't waste a ton of water. It is a home game for San Diego State. Mm-hmm. They're seven and five. They're a two and a half point favorite. Yes, against the Navy midshipmen. They went seven and five this year. I was thinking about this. Do you remember when everyone made the joke about Notre Dame playing Navy because they were a lowly service academy? Remember that? Right. Mm-hmm. They've now made a bowl game 11 out of 12 years. This is true. Not a bad opponent anymore. Not a top flight opponent, mind you. Right. A team that Notre Dame, a team Ohio State, a team some of these more elite programs should have no trouble with. But they mm-hmm. run a quirky system that teams aren't accustomed to week in and week out. Again, not quirky. Tough to prepare for it. Yes. And seven and five. They've been a pretty solid team, pretty solid yeah. bowl team over the last 12 years. I think this year with Keenan Reynolds expectations, I want to say were a little bit higher than seven wins. I felt like this was the year with as talented as Keenan Reynolds was. Um, I just, I like San Diego state here. Okay. I think they, they, with time to prepare for an offense that they don't generally see, although I believe army runs a not too dissimilar system. Um, I think San Diego state with time with it being closer to home, perhaps more routine. Um, I'm going to go with the Aztecs here to win by seven to 10 points. Okay. Uh, and by the way, San Diego state year after year, putting together really good running backs, developing running backs really nicely this year. It's, I think it's pump free. In looking at this game, I've only watched a little bit of San Diego State this season, but he ran for almost 2,000 yards, and I think Navy should have their hands full, and San Diego State controls the game on the ground. All righty. Well, I'm going to go Navy. All right. Well, we disagree. They did have a common opponent. San Diego State beat Air Force pretty easily. Navy lost by nine. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go midshipman here. Why not? Do it. Let's go to Christmas Eve. Let's do it. Santa is bringing the gift of a bowl game to the Bahamas this year. Is he? Is that what he's doing? And what a joyous gift it is. The Popeye's okay. Bahamas Bowl. No Popeye's in the Bahamas. Western Kentucky, 7-5. and five, A three-point favorite over Central Michigan, 7-5. and five. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, no Popeye's in the Bahamas. They are playing this game at Thomas A. Robinson 
Stadium in NASA. Noted NBA power forward Thomas Robinson <laughs> has decided to invest in a Bahamian stadium. It is a multi-purpose stadium. It's got the track around the field. Yeah. Only holds 15,000 people. I like it. Intimate. They can expand it to 30,000. I read all up on Thomas A. Robinson Stadium for no good reason. Okay. Western Kentucky, your favorite here. You may remember the Hilltoppers beat Marshall 67-66 in that crazy game. So they can put up some points. Mm -hmm. If you're the Hilltoppers, it's very simple. You stop Thomas Rawls. He's the main guy for Central Michigan for the Chippewas. Then mm -hmm. you get the ball back to your quarterback, Brandon Dowdy, who threw for 4,300 yards this season. You do those two things. Yeah. You win this game. You cover the spread. I'm going Western Kentucky. I'm going Western Kentucky in the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. I agree. I think I'm, I'm going with the Hilltoppers as well. Dan LaFever yeah. is not walking through that door. Um I'm generally because of a um, a bad experience with Central Michigan Chippewa wrestlers. I am decidedly anti Central Michigan, and it would take a lot to get me to uh, to pick them in a game. So I'm going with Western Kentucky, knowing that it might even help out Central Michigan that I'm picking against them. But yes, Western Kentucky with the way that they finished out their season, Leon Allen, a very very good running back for uh, for Western Kentucky. Um, they're closer to the Bahamas. Then Central Michigan, so they might travel better. I have no idea. Let's go with the Hilltoppers. All right. And then very finally, 8 p.m. as Santa is making his way mm. in his sleigh. Na, 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 na. Christmas Eve, the Hawaii Bowl between yes. Rice and Fresno State. Rice Fresno. seven and five, Fresno State six and seven. Now you look at that record and you think, how'd they get in the bowl at all? Oh, Fresno uh -huh. started three and six. They won their last three, yeah. went to the Mountain West title game, lost to Boise State. That's why they're six and seven. It wasn't like a special petition. Right. They were a 500 team before losing to Boise here. I read an interesting little capsule from Sam Kahn Jr. Hit me. On ESPN.com, who talked about the significance of an eight-win season at Rice. And I yeah. believe that's something that may factor in here. They're traveling all the way to the island of Hawaii. I got to believe that the Rice Owls know what's up. And they cover this point spread. They win a, a close one against Fresno State. Let's say 35-31. Uh, I'm going to take Fresno State here. I like uh, Josh Harbour. Feels like he's been there forever. Maybe it just has a name that sounds like other notable players. But I like the, the, the play of Josh Harper. Rice, and honestly... Totally right. The fact that they won eight games is insanely impressive considering where that program has been. Um, I'm going to go Fresno familiarity with the islands, uh, a shorter travel time. And honestly, they started the season out so bad. And even though they had the, I think a three game, four game lull, it probably was just three games. If they went seven and five um, or excuse me, six and seven. Um, I think Fresno is just in a better position right now to beat a team like rice talent wise. And they gave up a ton of points early. I have to think they've improved. Didn't watch a ton. Saw a little, the, the, the mountain West championship game. I like Fresno here close. All right. That does it for our bowl picks. Damn it. Did you happen to look at some of the names in our bowl pool? We have 700. Oh, do, you, are any, do any stand out? Let me look. Oh, there are a ton. We have 748 entries, Dan. That's a record which is probably a record. We've also got our boy, Brandon McKissick. We all know mm. we ride with McKissick. We ride! 
he posted something. What does he got? Like a week and a half ago in the group conversation thread along the right hand side. If you log in, I would like yep, to I get I'd like to get that going more. OK, that could be fun to see what people have to say. But he wants to know what your picks were so that he can choose the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm just going to give those away for free, Ty. <laughs> like some sort of dumb, dumb. I'm I looking at should. the uh, names here. Currently, Stevel Knievel in first place. Yeah. We've got Holmgren Hardware. I like uh, I like Bowlesby's Yips. Bowlesby's Yips. Yips, your single favorite sports phenomenon. I love it. Dern uh, Down for Duck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Carboner, I think, is what we have here from Amir Sucks. Rip Van Pinkle. Rip Van Pinkle isn't bad. Penn State to PSU Tomato could be any could be Portland State Tomato, but PSU Tomato. Um, math, not even once. That's from our friend, probably Monty. Um, a Ray Goff Zaxby's. There's always next year. Puck Master Funk. Um, until you hear the final gun. Is anybody throwing the records out in their title? Oh, we've got several of those, by okay, the way. Okay, good. <laughs> and we, got, we got tweets yesterday that um, one of the commentators was talking about throwing Throw the those records out. Throwing those records out, Ty. But um, oh, it was Rich Gannon. Excuse me, Rich Gannon. Here's the winner from Hendricks FSU. Mm. One true champions. I like that. Very subtle with the champions, but I like it. Also, my yips don't lie, which I like pretty. (laughs) You love your yips. I love the yips. All right. Let's get to some of those uh, some of those posts. Let's lightning round this. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. You've got mail on the solid verbal. Dan, as often as we can, we do our best to pay homage. (sighs) Was that saucy? It was pretty good. Nice. Okay. We do our best to pay homage at solidverbal at gmail.com on the Facebook page, on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. You, unbeknownst to me, put out a call, a bad signal, if you will. Yep. To have folks come to the Facebook page, post some comments for us to um, examine. Discuss. Yeah. On today's show. You want to start mm-hmm. it out? Yeah, let's. Um, who are your top five? This is from Zach Ferguson. You don't need to list five, but what are the notable busts of 2014 and the season thereof Ooh. in college football? He doesn't specify players or coaches or teams as a whole. Um, but what, what to you were your, your biggest disappointments that should have done better, whether it comes from a, a player coach or team perspective, South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's fair considering that the momentum that they had South Carolina is a big one. Mm-hmm. It's a totally biased answer, but I believe Everett Golson needs to be in the top 10 of this. Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame was super far off considering their losses. These past couple of seasons, they've recruited well um, from what do they end up seven and five? Yep. I, I, you know, eight and four was probably more realistic and more reasonable to expect from, from Notre Dame this season. So I wouldn't say as a team, they're disappointed, but Everett Golson regressing significantly, I think is a big bust. Oklahoma to me deserves to be in the discussion. It may not be fair to call them a bust, but Oklahoma brought everybody back. The defense was a bust. The defense was a bust. It might be a little bit more on point if we're talking about the offense to talk about Trevor Knight before he got hurt. Yeah. One of the questions that I asked repeatedly in the buildup to this season, Mm -hmm. when we talked to Jake Trotter from ESPN.com talking about all things Big 12, was that game in the Sugar Bowl from Trevor Knight an aberration? Kind of looks like it was now in hindsight. Um... 
I don't know if it was an aberration. I think he had all, all the pieces were there for him to have the type of game that he had. The defense did the offense so many favors field position wise. Uh, but yes, I think he's certainly peaked and that is his, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Knight were to return to that level more consistently, but this year with the injuries, with the off field stuff on both sides of the ball, it was, it was a difficult, difficult sledding as they say for Oklahoma. I would also add, I would just stay in the state, Oklahoma state, even though they lost a ton before the season, we had seen the turnover year over year, both in terms of players and coaches, we, you know, whether it's Munkin and Holgerson, they just, they have these guys that come in and out. And I figured that they were going to be playing at a higher level. Granted that the injury to JW Walsh early ultimately spelled a disaster because they were not able to develop another quarterback uh, to any sort of respectable degree. But I really did figure Oklahoma state would put up more of a fight week in and week out. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next, next question. Uh, this comes from Dean. What drinking recommendations do you have for a Michigan fan with no rooting interest? <laughs> Assuming this bowl season, Ty, do you, are you a big drinker in the holiday time? I'm a big drinker all the time, Dan. So are you, when you are with family, friends, loved ones, whatever, and yeah. a holiday setting, whether it's out at a restaurant bar, sort of celebrating the holidays or at home with loved ones, are you a beer man? Are you a spiked eggnog? Are you cocktails? Are you just brown liquor straight? What What is your preference as for holiday drinking? I, I don't know if I've ever had eggnog. I've never have. And I'm not all about, I'm not about that dairy. I've never had eggnog in my life. I'm willing to try it. Right. Can't say I've ever had it. I'm usually more of a beer man. Okay. Usually inclined to go beer. Somebody asked on Twitter, what kind of beers you like? You like dogfish stuff, right? I like dogfish stuff. I've been getting into, I, I kind of have a thing for some of the Christmas beers that are out there. So are they, are they more minty? What are, what are Christmas beers? Well, they're a little thicker. I don't like the porters, but okay. I do like some of the Christmas beers that are a little bit thicker. We've got some really good Pennsylvania breweries. So Trogues makes something called Mad Elf, which I like. Right. Uh, Fagley's Brewworks. Okay. In the area, which is a local, local. brewery in, in Bethlehem, sure. they make something called Rude Elf, his reserve, okay. Rude Elf's Reserve, okay. which I really like. So I had a few of those last night. The only problem with the Rude Elf's Reserve is you can't be going anywhere. You're not driving after that. It's stronger. Yeah, it's, it's stronger. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to, to doing a little drinking around the holidays. You're saying more of the Christmas holiday themed brews. I would say for Dean. You know, the, the ideal would be for Michigan to be in a warmer place, uh, be it a, a New Year's Day bowl in Florida, the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, whatever, where Michigan fans expect to be. So I would prepare cocktails accordingly, maybe like more tropical cocktails, a mojito, yeah, um, perhaps a mint julep. You know what I had? And it it remains one of, if not the best cocktails I've ever had. It was in it was in the neighborhood in Brooklyn. I had a pineapple julep, like a mint julep Interesting. But with, with uh freshly squeezed pineapple juice yeah. with chopped mint and the shaved ice. It was fantastic. Time I, burp, obviously. Yeah. I would say Dean drink, drink like you're in a warmer place. Drink like likely. you're in a warmer place, but get something good. Yes. Don't, don't do it on the cheap. You're a Michigan fan. You've endured a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't know if you're into the scotch. You have, you ever have bells beer, their line of beers. I think it's Michigan based Too hard at ale. Yeah, uh, sure. Very good. Next question. Who is this is from Dakota. Uh, who is the one recruit slash true freshman 
we'll go with true freshman here just yep. because recruit, you know, you don't know what you're going to get on the college level yet that you'd like to build a team around for the next three to four years. And why? All right. So I have the, I have the USA today freshman all American team in front of me. Let me, let me ask this question before mm-hmm. we go into this, just as a yeah. qualifier. Does it have to be a quarterback? Do oh, I have- think it definitely doesn't have to be a quarterback. Okay, if do you don't it. want to, I, I think my answer is basically any freshman. That's not a running back, a receiver, a tight end, maybe a corner. If he were really, really good, like Jabril peppers, but we're not positive what we have in him at Michigan yet. Uh, a safety. If he's a complete safety great against the run and has sort of ball hawking abilities, but I would, I would stick to front seven offensive line and quarterback as a general rule who I'd like to build a team around. Cause, cause a good pick though not as sexy as like a Brad Kaya mm-hmm. or even if you want to go defense with Miles Garrett. Yeah. A good pick could be Cam Robinson from that, Alabama. That, that's a great pick. Yes. Because a lot of NFL teams have done that with tremendous success. Start with your tackle, build around the tackle, and then you've got a nice anchor in place that can make make running lanes, can give you pass protection. Cam Robinson I think is probably my pick if I'm not going with a Brad Kaya. If I'm not going with a uh, Deshaun I would Watson. Go, I, would, I was going to say, I would go Deshaun Watson over Brad Kaya. Yeah, okay. I think he has a higher ceiling at this point. Uh, but, you know, who's to really say without Chad Morris at this point as well? Right, that's my that's my thought, plus a little injury prone maybe. Darren Lee, not a true freshman, but a first-year player for Ohio State. That's somebody, a do-everything linebacker to clean up after sort of other people's messes like he's had to do in the run game for Ohio State or defending run games. I think he's a great option there. Cam Robinson, you're completely right. With Miles Garrett, to to have somebody who's that much of a pass-rushing threat this early on in his career, I think is pretty outstanding, and you have to account for him so much. Uh, The other name, Rod Johnson, came on in the second half for Florida State, stepped in at left tackle. As a freshman, when Cam Cam Irving moved over to to center to shore up the interior of that offensive line, which struggled mightily early on, and he did a really good job of protecting Jameis Winston's backside. I think that's that's a great answer if you're going to build around anybody. He he took off a lot of bad weight when that he had when he got to Tallahassee. I know our friend Bud Elliott is is very high on Roderick Johnson's potential. Um, and then the guy who and I mentioned defensive back wise, if somebody's versatile. I can get on board a Dory Jackson for USC in the return game, played some receiver and also has the makings athletically and speed wise to be a lockdown corner for a USC team that still doesn't have the depth. So as, as much as you can take advantage of really good starters, that is a, I think that is a, is a good centerpiece for the defensive backfield. Okay. Let's move on. Let's next question. This comes to us from, Let's go. I have a lot of strong thoughts on this one. This comes from Tom hate hot H a I G H T. Whatever the answer. Hate. Hey, haters going to a softer hit. What is the age rule for dating? How much older can the guy be now? Tom, I believe I, I clicked his cause this was a, from Facebook in his late ish twenties, mid okay. to late twenties. Yeah. You are set to be wed to a, a girl way out of your league. Yep. Um, who is how many years younger? Four and a half, five. Four and a half, which I, I feel like is is good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it keeps you young, Ty. Yeah. That's what it does. Um, the the important thing, I don't think there's a set answer for this. Cause there will like I am a little bit younger than you. I feel like I am 
very old in my sense. I don't like to drink a ton. I like sleeping. I just, I don't like loud places. I'm an old man and I'm, I'm at peace with that. So if I were to date, say a 24, 25, 26 year old, we would want somebody, I would want somebody that is in line with that sensibility, which isn't always the case. That's just a rare thing. More of an old soul. Right. You, I mean, it's, it's just more difficult to find. Um, my girlfriend is much closer to my age than that. She is, uh, and, and very much in line with that sensibility. So it depends what, it depends what this, what you're looking for a, so if you're just looking for a good time and it's very clear that you're not looking for anything serious, I would say you could, if you're 27, I would say somebody that has a little bit of experience post college, just living in life. So I personally wouldn't go younger than say 23 or 24, if that makes sense. Well, the, the time honored rule is half your age plus seven. Right. I think that's dumb. Half your age plus seven. I'd use that as a guide. That's your absolute floor. The big, the big thing for me is as long as you're very clear about what you're looking for and whatever the dating is going to hopefully lead to, if you, if you're clear about that from the onset, I think it's okay. Um, at 27, 28, you should have a pretty good idea of where you are in life and you're not still sort of in that post-college world. I would make sure you have somebody who's got a little bit of that in them. This is getting deep here, Dan. You're getting pretty deep on us. I've given this a lot of thought. Yeah? I have. All right. Well, good. So let's say fiance Kate wakes up to the fact that she can do a lot better than you. Yeah. Which is pretty much every day. Absolutely. What would be the youngest that you could... And the other thing too, if you're going to date somebody on any sort of real level, you want them to understand your references. Oh so like, yeah. You don't like, you're not yeah. going to be able to really do much. I think uh, mentally, at least with like a 24 year old. I'd have a hard time with that. Yeah. It would be very difficult because yeah. 24 year old is born in what year? 1990. 1990. That's just like, you're, you're basically throwing out your formative nineties decade. Is it wrong that I use Taylor Swift's 1989 as my reference point for determining 1990 as the birth Not at year? all. Okay. Not at all. Um, you want somebody that gets references and it's very difficult. And I don't, you know, maybe this, maybe Tom isn't into to pop culture the way that we are. And what, what are you asking me here? What's the youngest I'd go? What, what's the youngest that you feel like you could relate to um, both emotionally and, uh, you know, conversationally? 26. Okay. Maybe 26 is 88. That's my youngest brother's age. Yeah. I, th- I 26 is fine. Like, uh, it's hard to gauge maturity and both, I mean, much harder in looking at dudes, I think than, than women. Um, but yeah, I think if you can find a 26 year old with, you know, her, her shit together, I think that's fair. All right, let's move on. Nice. What do we got? Okay. Um, best and worst. This comes from Robert John Spradley. Best and worst bowl game experiences with details, please. Ty, hmm. do you have a definitive best and worst? We were just talking about one of them before the show started. I would qualify that as best. <laughs> best and worst bowl game experiences. Yeah. Best and worst bowl game experience for me was the 2002 BCS championship game. Okay. I guess it would be technically the 2000. Yeah, two, that was it 2012 or 2013. Oh, you said 2002. Okay, I was trying to figure out who was in 2002. That was Nebraska, Miami. Um, so was it was it technically 2012 or 2013 the Notre Dame Alabama game? 
It was the 2012 season, right? 2012 season. 2013, the very yeah. beginning of 2013 in Florida. That was my best and worst experience. It started because because we're a podcast, clearly we're never what? credentialed to actually go what? into the into the game. Right, who cares? So Overrated. We uh we were trying to figure out how are we going to get into this game. How are we going to mm-hmm. watch Notre Dame take it to the Alabama Crimson Tide? Obviously. All the options fell through. Mm-hmm. At the last minute, I pondered for a good long 15 minutes about whether yeah. or not it'd make fiscal sense for me to drop like 750 bucks to get a ticket in the top row of the stadium. Oh God. I elected not to do that. Right. I elected to drive back to the hotel with you. We got a pizza to go. Mm-hmm. Got like, what do we say? A couple wine coolers. Got or something? some wine coolers, bros, wine coolers and a giant pizza. We watched on our like 24 inch hotel television. Yep. I fell asleep with yeah, eight minutes to go in the first like quarter. Half. I would say half. That was the best and worst for me. Okay. Um, I had a great time at the, the Oregon Wisconsin Rose bowl, even though I was credentialed for that game, I was in the press box watching it, you know, very politely. I got to tailgate with friends beforehand, got to see a great, that was, if you remember a great back and forth game, the Rose bowl is the single best place to view I, a college football game, a sporting event, whatever you want to call it. We'll get you out here sooner rather than later to see that. Um, that was probably my best experience just in terms of, we gotta, we gotta win to see, I, you know, it was just a great time. My worst bowl game experience. It's really hard to say my, the, the other bowl games I've been to the holiday bowl is every, is every, uh, year in the late 2008s, nines, whatever for Oregon. That's always fun. You grill, you have friends. Um, I would say the worst was probably standing on the field when Auburn beat Oregon. That might have been one of my best, actually. Not because it was Oregon electric lost. and an awesome experience to be down there. Not because Oregon lost, but right. And I've talked about the confluence of events there multiple yes. times on this show. Sprinting down. But the last however many minutes of a game, the media is allowed to go down on a field. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that that game was really close. So we were able to go to that game. And go down on the field because at the time we were credentialed through a different outfit. Right. And um, there was so much going on that as I looked in your eyes, <laughs> it was apparent that nothing was computing. No. Dan. Dan. Yeah. Look yeah. at me, Dan. Let's go uh, down on uh, the field. Yeah. Let's go down on the field. No response. Let's go down. Come on, Dan. Let's go down on the field. I led you down onto the field. Mm hmm. And then Oregon lost while we were down there. They shot off those big confetti cannons. Ugh. Everyone runs in the field. It was kind of funny. True. Uh, this comes from Ali DeJong. DeJong. I like that name, Ali DeJong. Driving 10 hours to Georgia on Christmas Eve. What other podcasts should we catch up on? Serial. Mentioned- yeah, if you haven't listened to Serial, listen to Serial. It's really good. Um, the production, the story, everything is quite good. Yes. Other than Serial, this is something we've touched upon many times. Um, podcasts that are good for passing the time. I would, you know, guest dependent, go through WTF and see if the guests you like, that's always a good long form interview show of comedians and people are in sort of the entertainment industry. He just reposted his, uh, Oh, the Louis CK one is very intense with Louis CK from 2010. That's really good. Um, I like some of the radio lab stuff. I think those are always interesting and fun NPR just in general, but that can be a little bit boring just not boring, but a little bit dry and you want to stay sort of awake and engaged. Um, 
any other shows that you've been listening to recently that you really like? I yeah. really, if, if you guys are both sports fans, I'm assuming two people are driving. Um, if, if there are multiple sports fans in the car, I think both with the NFL and NBA two sports, I don't follow super closely, but I really like Grantland's offerings with Zach Lowe and Bill Barnwell. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah. If you like movies, I'm always a shill for my friend's podcast, The Last Row. Good movie podcast. Is the audio quality up to your standard? Uh, it very much is, yes. Okay, good. Very much is. It's the first thing I look for. I like Freakonomics. Yep. I like that show. I've been taking a sampling of the new Gimlet Media shows. The startup podcast has a, has achieved a lot of success very early on. They've got a good mm -hmm. one called Reply All for all things internet. I'm also... a uh, bit of a nerd when it comes to all things outer space so oh, that's right neil degrasse tyson and star talk radio yep big fan of that I, as well uh the uh the what's it called the maximum fun network yes owned by jesse thorne he does a show jesse thorne does a show called bullseye that's a really good interview and sort of popular culture show i would also say the it's probably at their when they are at their funniest i don't know if i laugh harder at a podcast um my brother, my brother and me mm. is really, really good. And I don't know if they're recording podcasts during the bowl season, but our friends at shut down full cast do an unbelievable job. Spencer Hall, Ryan Nanny and Jason Kirk. Very That's good. that. I, I couldn't recommend a college football podcast for entertainment purposes. More than that information purposes, probably the audible with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel. All right. Two yeah. more questions before we let the fine people go. And I, I'm glad that Stephen Bridges asked this question. What do you got? Because I actually had a question for you. Now, you're from Southern California. You're out there now. This is true. He asks, what's your favorite Christmas song? Do you have a favorite Christmas song, Dan? Um, I have heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You many, many times, and that's always fun. I yeah. can get really old quickly. Um, what's the name? Is it? Vince Giraldi, the, the Peanuts guy, the Peanuts Christmas album, Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas. I like the Christmas version of the Peanuts stu stuff more than the, the chipmunk stuff. If we're going to look at animated Christmas stuff. So I would, I would probably, I like that sort of the, the ivories tickling on the piano, the, the yeah. Peanuts Christmas album is probably the answer. Either that or the counting crows long December. <laughs> All right, so here's my question. You're in Southern California. It does not snow there. It actually does snow in Southern California, but continue. In the it, mountains. It doesn't snow to the extent it snows here on the East Coast. No. How do people in Southern California treat Christmas carols like White Christmas and Winter Wonderland? Is it still something that people sing because it doesn't happen there? Uh, I don't Jingle bells? hang out with a ton of carolers and listen to a ton of like radio stations that play that stuff. Right. I would say if there if there are any... Christmas songs that get heavy rotation down here. I would say it's more along the lines of like Jingle Bell Rock, that kind of stuff. Feliz Navidad. Oh, there's okay. So Feliz Navidad is great. That song. Um, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Right. There's another sort of hybrid Spanish, English, Spanglish Christmas song that if you haven't heard is maybe this is my answer for my favorite Christmas song. It's, I don't know the exact name of it, but it goes like, Mamacita, donde esta Santa Claus? And it's like a little kid singing, and it is a great time. I found it on YouTube. I'm looking at it now. I don't know if you can play it out loud, but uh, it's called Donde esta Santa Claus. I don't know who sings it. It could be Augie Rios. All right, here, I have it up, Dan. Okay. It's Augie Rios, Donde esta Santa Claus. Just how do you stay in a bad mood listening to this? Thank you. 
Oh, yeah. Mamacita. Donde esta Santa Claus? Yeah. Donde esta Santa Claus? Wait for it. And the toys that he will leave. <laughs> Mamacita. That's pretty good, Dan. That's my answer. All right, I'm going to go rocking around the Christmas tree. Always good. Always good. Final question. You get to select. All right. This comes, I don't know. I saw this question. I don't remember where it is. Um, what is, and we sort of touched on this. What is your Christmas? First of all, do you open presents Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? And what is your Christmas Day routine either generally or what will it be this year? Christmas Eve has always been the, the big day here. At Mama what, what, what is on the menu? Who is there? We uh, we usually do, or we have done in the past, the old feast of these seven fishes. Oh, it's so good! I've done that before. We've done that here. I don't know if we'll do it this year, but uh, we've done it before. There will be a multifarious variety of foods mm-hmm. at our disposal. On Christmas do you eat all Eve. seven fishes? You're okay with all of them? I'm good with like five and a half. Oh, what what, what don't you like? Not a big fan of the bacala. That was the one. That's the the sort of salted cod. Not a fan of the buckala. That was the only one I didn't like. I went to my friend Creighton's and his family in Long Island. That was the only one I didn't really care for. Not not a huge fan. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll open presents. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin brings the kids. What are those little honey balls called? You know what I'm talking about with like the little sprinkle things on them. You talking about Long John Silver's hush puppies? No, <laughs> they're like I, I'm almost positive they're Italian christmas pastries they're like they're like the size of like small marbles and they've got the little colorful sprinkle dots on them mm. it's not they're a ringing bell i'll ask mama h I'll ask somebody mama will h. tweet us and let us know um open presents christmas, christmas day eve. oh christmas yeah, day christmas eve we open the presents on christmas day we'll go down to uh fiance kate's side okay okay now will mama h be at fiance kate's mama h will not be at fiance kate's okay no. Now, who's going to be at fiance Kate's place? Fiance Kate's place, uh, her parents, right? her brother, sister-in-law, her niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. If you had to power rank those people. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for Q&A. That no. does it for Q&A. No um, Q&A. What, what's the meal at fiance Kate's? Obviously, nobody tops Mama H, but it what is be, the meal? It will be a standing rib roast. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah, they did it up last year, Dan. What do, what do you get on the side with that? So it's prime rib, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's good. It's what do good. you get on the side with that? I forget what all was on the side last year, but it was a very, very desirable feast, let's say. All right. Um, I'm uncomfortable with the term desirable feast. Yes. But I wish somebody would describe me and my body. As What's your plan on Christmas? Chinese food. Yeah. I don't know where from. I'll hang out with the folks. My brother, one of my brothers, at least one of my brothers will be in town. Uh, maybe some friends around here. Honestly, Chinese food, watch some Netflix. I was going to say, it's usually a pretty big movie day, right? Yeah, we got to, you know, I don't know if there is there a bowl game on Christmas Day. No bowl games there. I believe no there bowl. are some. There I'll watch be, NBA. Yeah. Watch some basketball, eat some Chinese food. My parents have one of those giant like L type couches. Yeah. Very comfortable. Just sort of get lost in one of those with some, some mooshu pork, some, uh, well, I'll do some black shrimp and black bean sauce, maybe. Okay. Sounds great to me. Very good. Yeah, I All agree. Right. Well, we will be back in a couple days. Yes. Got a couple more games to get through, but that should get you through 
Christmas Eve. Our plan is to record on Tuesday. Yes. We'll cover some more football games, talk about some news. Who knows? By then, maybe we'll have some news on the whole Jim Harbaugh stuff. When we do sign off, instead of going out with our normal music, will you go out with Augie Rios? I can do that. Yes. If you want. Yeah, I can drop Absolutely. it in. I'll drop it in in post. Good. Perfect. Enjoy your holiday, Dan. Hey, Ty, you as well. I'll talk and to you before the holiday, but enjoy did, it. Did you did we mention did you mention to uh, the listeners what I got you for Christmas as your birthday? I swag? did not. No, I forgot. <laughs> I should have worn it too. I forgot. Yeah. I'm going to wear what, it to Dallas. What is your Rubenstein? Tell the people, because I teased this before that you're going to be receiving some Christmas bowl swag. Oh, it's fantastic. I'll post a picture of it. Actually, I should make that my new avatar. You posted a picture of it on Twitter. And I'm going to make that my new it. avatar. But to those that don't know and didn't yeah. don't sort of pay attention closely to social media. What is it, Ty? Dan Rubenstein was kind enough. <laughs> went on the Internet, uh. delivered to my front door. A 2013 pinstripe ball champion hat with the Notre Dame logo on it. Yes. It's one of my most prized possessions, Dan. I love it. I wore uh. it to Wegmans shortly thereafter. So happy when I came across that. I'm going to bring it with me to Dallas. I'm not kidding. Yes, I love it. I'm going to bring that with me. All right. That's all I got. All right. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein in beautiful, sunny Southern California. For myself, Ty, all the way over here in snowy. It's not snowing. But Is it blustery? Blustery. Eastern yes. Pennsylvania. Thanks again for listening to The Solver. We'll be back in a couple days. In the meantime, enjoy the games. Stay solid. Peace.